We begin the reading in verse 1. Hear now the word of the true and living God. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world, yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and I've come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you've given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. I'm no longer in the world, but they're in the world. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I've guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you've loved me may be in them and I in them. Let us pray. Father God, through your word, show us the glory of the Son. 
that we, having this glory, may glorify Him. We belong to You. We are in You and You are in us. We magnify and glorify Your name because of that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When the Puritan Thomas Manton preached John 17, he did so over the course of 45 sermons. There's only 26 verses in this chapter. And he spent 45 sermons. I mean, that's almost a full year of sermons, 52 Sundays in a year, right? 45 sermons. And by the way, they're not those, you know, the 30-minute the type things that, that we're accustomed to, that, that I do, right? This was back in the day, back in the 17th century. These were, these were substantial. And the finished product, I mean, you can, you can find these sermons online. They're part of the public domain. They're free. The finished product was over almost 750 pages. Just on John 17. There's a lot of meat in this prayer. It is deep, the things that Jesus prays here. The word glory shows up a number of times. Father, Jesus addresses the Father here six times. Using the adjectives holy and righteous to address Him as well. The word given, the verb is used 17 times. I mean, we could just walk through all the ways that, all the things that are given by the Father to the Son, uh, and, and that alone would be impressive. It is a weighty prayer. It carries with it the weight of glory. It is inter-Trinitarian communication. As the Son speaks to the Father, in prayer. Christ is praying. Verses 1 through 5, he prays for himself. Verses 6 through 19, he prays for his disciples. And while contextually, he is specifically praying for the, 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 the 12 that were given to him by the Father, 12 who would continue on his earthly ministry after he has ascended to glory. The way that this is worded by the Lord himself indicates that it's not just the twelve that this prayer is applicable to. It is applicable for us even, these verses 6 through 19. In other words, it's not just the twelve that Jesus sends into the world. Is it not true that we are sent into the world? Of course it is. It is not just the twelve that he prays that the Father would keep and protect from the evil one. Isn't it true that he prays the same thing for us? Doesn't he want us protected from the evil one? Of course he does. It is not just the twelve who are glorified, or who are glorifying the Son. Verse 10, I am glorified in them. Isn't it true that the Son is glorified in us? Don't say no, right? 
Well, this, this prayer, verses 16 through 19, while again specifically prayed for the twelve, it is applicable for all disciples, as we will see. But yes, it's true in verses 20 to 26, he then turns his attention to those who would believe, to his future church, to future believers, even to us. He prays a number of things for us specifically there as well. Verse 18, Jesus says, As you sent me into the world, the Father has sent the Son into the world. So I have sent them into the world. As the Father has sent the Son to the world, so Jesus, the Son, sends His disciples, us included, into the world. So we see the larger application for all of Jesus' disciples. And it is a lofty mission, a lofty purpose that Christ sends us into the world to pursue. It is not only that we go into the world for world evangelization, go make disciples of all the nations. We're familiar with that verse. But also, the lofty goal of being perfectly united as one, there in verses 22 and 23, stands out as well. Of course, as it pertains to this purpose, we are beset by a number of foes, a number of enemies. Of course, these are very powerful enemies. Some of them are within the flesh, for example, but some of them are from without. Hence, Jesus prays that His disciples, the Father, would keep them from the evil one, that that they would be protected. And of course, that includes us that we would have protection, that we would be kept by the power of the Father from the evil one. One of the lofty purposes, though, for which we are in the world is right there in verse 10, the glory of the Son. Disciples are to glorify Christ. Indeed, we are to glorify the one true and only God We glorify the triune God. Jesus, the Son, is glorified in His disciples, in His followers. I am glorified in them. And what's fascinating is this is directly connected to the Son glorifying the Father. In verse 4, I glorified you, Father, on earth. And disciples are sent into the world, and we are in the world, and we are to glorify the Son, which means glory also for the Father. In other words, the, one of the lofty missions, one of the lofty purposes that we are sent into the world is to glorify the triune God. The triune God is glorified in Christ's disciples. Well, how do we do that? In this prayer that is prayed by the Son of God, an intimate glimpse into intertrinitarian communion, we see how we are to glorify God, even the Son. And again, it's rooted in verse 4, where the Son glorifies the Father on earth. Jesus prays in verse 4, I glorified you on earth. 
how is it that the Son glorified the Father on earth? And keep reading, he says, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. It is true that the Son glorified the Father in obeying the Father in everything. This is prayed even before He goes to the cross. And so we can focus exclusively on what has historically, traditionally been called the active obedience of the Son. In His sinless life, Everything that he did, he lived and moved and had his being in obedience to the will of the Father. Every miracle, every parable, every doctrine ever taught or preached by Jesus, every good deed ever done, every kind word, every rebuke, every woe pronounced upon those who refused to believe in him. All of it was in perfect obedience to the Father. And so he, in that way, certainly glorified the Father on earth. But specifically, he goes further talking about having accomplished the work. And I do believe this looks forward to and anticipates his perfect obedience in what is, again, historically, traditionally been called his passive obedience. And by passive, we don't mean that he was a, a victim of an oppressive, oppressive regime or system. Because we know, from John 10, he had the authority to lay down his life. And that's really what's intended there in that idea of the passive obedience. He lays down His life on the cross in order to save people, in order to save even His people, to save those, as He talks about here, who have been given to Him by the Father, that it is through His death on the cross that He will give life, even eternal life, to those who have been given to Him by the Father. See, Jesus, in laying down His life on the cross, is perfectly fulfilling, perfectly obeying the Father's will. We read in Isaiah 53, verse 10, It was the will of Yahweh to crush Him. He is obeying, perfectly fulfilling the will of His Father, even in death. And so the Son perfectly accomplishes the work given to him by his Father. And in fact, it is because the Son accomplishes the work that has been given to him that he is then able to give eternal life to those who have been given to him by the Father. We need to emphasize here, the Son accomplished his work. No, that's what he says. I've glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Nothing is left undone. Nothing is left half-finished. Indeed, as he's dying on the cross, what is it he says? It is finished. 
Not it's mostly done, mostly finished. It's completely done. It is a complete work that the Son fulfills and does on the cross. At once, acting as both the sacrifice for sin in our place, and at the same time, fulfilling His role as our great high priest, making intercession for His people. No, the work is not half-finished. With some of it still to be done by you or by me, the work of redemption, the work of salvation has been accomplished, has been finished by the Son. And it is in this that the Son glorified the Father while here on earth. The perfect obedience of the Son to the Father is vital for us. It's vital because His obedience, His perfect obedience, is credited to us. It is as though we have perfectly fulfilled, perfectly accomplished, and obeyed the will of God. That's why we need the perfect, sinless life of Jesus. It's His perfect sinlessness that is credited to us. His obedience in all things, of course, is, is accomplished in His life and in His death. But it is this glorification of the Father by the Son that points us to our own glorifying of the Son. Coming down to verse 10. All mine are yours. Again, this is the Son talking to the Father in prayer. And He's talking about all those that have been given to Him by the Father. He says they're mine and they're yours. All mine are yours. And Again, he's specifically contextually praying about the twelve, the eleven, of course. Judas, he prays specifically about him as the son of destruction. He's going to perdition. But the eleven, given to him. But we do not stop there. All mine are yours. You realize he's praying for you as well. By extension, that is applicable for, for you. you. You belong to the Son, which means you belong to the Father. And yours, Father, are mine. He's praying for you, my brother, my sister. Yours they were, he says earlier. They're yours. You've given them to me. And yours are mine. You belong to to the Father, you belong to the Son, you, though not specifically mentioned here, belong to the Spirit. So I had John read from uh, chapter 16 and verse 15, uh, 14 and 15 specifically there, talk about Jesus says, all that is mine, the Spirit takes what is mine and He'll give it to you. That's the inter-Trinitarian communion, that all things belong to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit. And that means we belong the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Then he says, verse 10, and I am glorified in them. Again, true specifically, contextually about 
the disciples, but true by extension also for us. So I say again, He's praying for you. The Son is glorified in us, brothers and sisters. We belong to the triune God and we glorify the Son. What is, what is heartbreaking is that so many people are deceived. So many people, unbelievers included, they think that when they die, they'll, they'll just go to heaven. Everybody just goes to heaven by default. What are we doing in heaven? What will we do in heaven? We're going to glorify the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But many people expect to glorify God in heaven, but they do not glorify Him here on earth. Those who do not glorify God, even the Son, in this life, should not expect to glorify Him in the next. You see, it is not in words or in wishes that the Son is glorified. What I mean is that it's not in words that God, even the Son, is glorified, where we just merely do lip service. What do you think about Jesus? Oh, Jesus, yeah, He's great. Oh, yeah, I, I love Jesus. But then you, that person doesn't live for that, for, for Jesus. They don't live for Him. These are merely empty phrases, empty praises. And it is not in wishes that God, even the Son, is glorified. Yeah, I'll glorify God tomorrow. I'll glorify Him someday. Right now, I'm too busy living for me. What I'm doing, what I've got going on. It is not in words, it is not in wishes that the Son is glorified. It is in work. That God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are glorified. Go back. Again, it's tied directly to what Jesus says in verse 4. I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me. And every single one of us has a work that is set before us. A work in which we are to engage, and in engaging in that work, we glorify God. Not that we're somehow, again, finishing the work or accomplishing the work. It is akin to what is said in Ephesians 2, verse 10. We know verses 8 and 9, right? It's by grace you've been saved through faith. That not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship. We're his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. No, we are not saved by our good works. We are saved unto good works. We are saved for these good works. And it is in the good works that we glorify God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This is tied directly to our practice. It is tied directly to our obedience. Just back up a few verses to verse 6 and we see this. John 17, 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. There it is. 
This is what we've been talking about for the last several months in 1 John, about a practice that honors the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, a life that is given over to obedience to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It is walking in the light. It is walking as Jesus walked. It is practicing righteousness. All of these things are tied to keeping the Word of God. That's obedience. That's practice. That's your lifestyle. I am glorified in them. How? Well, in obedience and practice, but also notice verse 8. For I have given them the words that you gave me. I mentioned earlier the, the word given, the, the verb, used 17 times by my count. I mean, again, it's, it's overwhelming, just the number of gifts that are given by the Father to the Son, and then in turn the Son gives to His people. Right here we see, I've given them the words you gave me. The Father has given His words as a love gift to the Son, and then the Son, in turn, has given those words as a love gift to the people that have been given to, by the Father to the Son. I've given them the words that you gave me. Notice, they have received them. There's, there's the, the first thing that we can do to glorify the Son is receive those words, those Father-given words, the words given by the Father to the Son. Receive them. They have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. There's a second thing. Know that the Son came from the Father. Receive these words. Know who Jesus is and, and His origin, where He came from. And they have believed that you sent me. There's a third thing. Believe in the Son. Believe that He came from the Father. Believe in His divine origin. It is fascinating the order here. Receive. Know. Believe. We typically take those last two and we reverse them. Where, where faith comes first and then knowledge. But notice, knowledge comes before faith here, according to Jesus. Very fascinating. Keeping the Word, receiving the words, knowing who Jesus is, believing in Him. These are all things that Jesus points to. We can expand it out, can't we? In terms of the obedience that we are to render. I think about how we are to yield ourselves to the will of God, how we are to submit our lives in everything to the will of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I'm especially mindful of Romans 6 and verse 13. Romans 6, 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. That's, that's the, the aspect of yielding ourselves, presenting ourselves, so that we submit ourselves in all things to God. 
our, our bodies become these instruments for righteousness. We, we count ourselves as those who've been brought from death to life. Again, it's not that we are finishing the work that Jesus began and left half done and unfinished. He accomplished the work of redemption and salvation. We are saved to the uttermost. Saved completely. We engage in those good works. Again, to glorify the Son. We glorify Him and obey Him in all things out of gratitude, out of thanksgiving for what He has done. He saved us by grace, through faith. We thank Him for such a great salvation, which is ours in Christ Jesus. Again, it's it is a weighty prayer. It carries the weight of glory. And there is a lot of meat in this prayer. And we've only touched the hem of the garment. It's no wonder that old Thomas Manton spent 45 sermons on this. What we see, though, is that Christ's prayer is this beautiful intercession that he does make for himself, for his disciples, for those who would believe in his word. But I, I want to impress upon you again, he is praying for you. He's praying for me. He's praying for us. That just as he glorified the Father by having accomplished the work of redemption and salvation while in this world, we, having been sent into the world, glorify the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, in the good works that He set before us as we express our gratitude and thanksgiving to God for the great salvation which is ours in Christ Jesus. And no one who lives for himself or for herself in this life can expect to glorify God in the life to come. We must glorify God now if we would glorify Him then. And indeed, it is only those who glorify God in the now who can expect to glorify Him then. Let's commit this to prayer. Father, we thank You for Jesus. We thank You for this prayer that He prayed. We're grateful that He glorified You in accomplishing finishing, completing the work of our salvation, our redemption. We pray, Father, that we would glorify Him in our lives, in everything. That every good deed, every kind word, every doctrine that we preach, every time we share the gospel, and in everything, Father, you would be glorified because we are glorifying the Son. And we know it is only by the Spirit within us that we are able to do these things. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. We confess this. Help us, Father. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.